Uh, hi, hi. My name's Mark Grist. I, I used to be an English teacher. I'm approaching middle age, and I really want to learn how to rap. Last time on Mark Can't Rap. I'm getting angry about this stuff too. I can feel it. Like I said, I had two weeks in the hospital to really have this, like, you know, this moment of clarity. I'm going to try and write a banger. Um... <laughs> Wicked? Oy, what's the banger going to be know. about? I don't know. I don't I, know. I, I... <laughs> I gave you the cheat code. I gave you the cheat code for a banger. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> hey guys, right now, as I record this, it's the first week of December 2020. I've been working on this podcast for 10 months now. That's 10 whole months since the UK first went into lockdown. Writing one episode every two months isn't the most productive I've been, but considering everything that's happened, I'll take it. The only person who's listened to these episodes so far is my wife, Lucy. I mean, it's a little bit doom and gloom, isn't it? Well, it is about a global pandemic. Uh, uh, yes, obviously, I get that. Um, but like, it's not all been, it's not all been bad, is it? We got Bruce, little Brucey. <laughs> yeah, we did get little Brucey Moosey. Bruce the Moose is our new dog. He's a rescue pug we adopted four weeks ago. Bruce is a little anxious at times. But who hasn't been of late? Since we got him, he spends most days glued to me on the sofa, sort of keeping guard whilst getting tummy rubs and staring out the window. He's made our lives pretty awesome. And um, you've got your live stream workshops coming up, right? That's right. I have got live streamed workshops, paid ones coming up. Thanks to all the free ones that I was delivering, a bunch of schools across China and South Korea have booked me in the new year. I'll be delivering workshops pretty much every single night throughout January and February now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's all from two in the morning till six in the morning sessions, so I'll be a bit of a zombie the rest of the time. <laughs> well, yeah, to be fair, that's not ideal. Unlike now, where at... Quarter past four in the afternoon, you're sitting slumped over the table in your dressing gown. <laughs> I just want to look at my best for you. Uh... <laughs> Do you know what? That's one thing. It's been quite uh, freeing, actually, hasn't it? Not having to see people and, like, present yourself to the world for a while. That's true. You still look good, though. Well, you have to say that. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, <laughs> I, guess I do. <laughs> Lucy's right about that, too. It has been good not being seen. Looking a bit of a mess, I guess, but also being invisible, in a way. Hiding in the background. Right now, the two of us live like a pair of scruffy but contented ghosts. Just us and the dogs. Anyway, back to Lucy's feedback and this season being a bit doom and gloom. Try and enjoy it. Just, you love rap. Just remember that and try and have a bit more fun with it. And have a bit more fun for you as well, you know? Lucy has a point. I shouldn't just focus on the bad stuff. Maybe I should be having a little bit more fun. 
There have been positives in the last few weeks, and not just for us. The UK is currently operating under a tier system. Each region gets its own bracket. And Peterborough, where I live, has been a tier one. The most relaxed tier for weeks now. In tier one, you're allowed to have up to six people from different households in one house at the same time. Imagine. You could even stay in someone else's house overnight if you wanted to. Restaurants have been open, shops too. Even pubs have stayed open until 11 p.m. I mean, it's not like we've gone to the pub lately, but the whole city with these rules in place has felt pretty chilled out. People I chat to, the postman, neighbors, they seem upbeat and grateful, I guess. That all changed last week though, when we jumped from tier one to tier three in less than 48 hours. Suddenly restaurants, pubs, most shops had to shut. We were no longer allowed around each other's houses. We couldn't really go out at all except for an hour's exercise or, or to get some basic supplies. So, you know, it's, it's bad again. They call it tier three, but it's basically lockdown again, isn't it? In the words of Alan Partridge, They've rebadged it, you fool. <laughs> but focus on the positive. At least we've had a bit of a breather. A breather that others never got. Some areas of the UK have had it much tougher. Manchester, for example, where Blizzard lives, they've been at the highest tier for months now, which means unlike us, Blizzard hasn't been able to go out socially at all. Today, we're due to chat for this podcast. I've always found it easy to chat to Blizzard. We've known each other for a while now. I'm also keen to get his help because I need a beat, a beat that bangs. I'm trying to write this banger. After chatting to Lucy, I'm also trying to be more positive and go for a different kind of energy. One that I, I guess the more I think about it really fits with a banger too. And as Maestro said, Generally speaking, if you're going to say a banger, it's a big chorus, you know, a big catchy chorus. It's a big beat yeah. as well. Fortunately, making beats that bang is what Blizzard does. He raps too. He raps really well, but more and more, as time's gone on, Blizzard has thrown himself out of the spotlight and into music production. He stepped back from emceeing and public performance, and recently he released an entire album right in the middle of the pandemic. The album's called Logic on Lunch Break. Hey, fuck the virus, mate. I just love to self-isolate. Honestly, a good social distance for me is hundreds of miles away. The quality of the tracks is really high, particularly when you consider that he made the whole thing himself. Yet again, we're stuck indoors, what a crying shame. Don't we out to help the economy, then blame the young for the rising cases? Wait, I'm lost. Stay home is your final statement. No money for the arts, but money for a tracing app that struggles with tracing. As well as looking to commission a beat from Blizzard, I'm keen to catch up to hear how things have been. After all, we've got a lot of history. We faced each other once, eight years ago, in a rap battle that changed both our lives. It's the rap battle I've mentioned a few times on this podcast. The one that became the most viewed 
UK v UK rap battle of all time. That's all right. 90 seconds on Mark Chris, let's go, man. To those at home who are sitting, watching YouTube, don't start clicking. I know this might look like some kind of extreme babysitting. It is! <laughs> I've put a link to the battle in the description of this podcast, in case you want to check it out. Now, this might sound odd, but Blizzard and I haven't really talked much about that battle. We've caught up for an interview here and there and a charity gig once, but when we chat, it's normally about music in general, or the wider battle scene, or the projects that we're each working on, setting time aside to have a proper recap about what happened to us. That feels like a treat, perhaps getting me closer to that fun that Lucy had suggested. Once I've sorted my audio out, Blizzard's face pops onto the screen. He's in his home studio with his mic and headphones set, and he seems good to go. I was talking to my mum before the before doing this. How is she? Um, I, I yeah, she's good. She's good. Um, she's retired now, living retired life. My mum and dad are both retired now, so they're just like chilling out in Wales, and they love it. I've got a long-standing relationship with Blizzard's mum. <laughs> That's a sentence and a half, isn't it? Um, I mentioned her in our battle all those years ago. I said some pretty rude stuff about her back then. Not just briefly. Mrs. Green, Mrs. Green, please move into the screen. I've got some people behind me I'm sure that you've seen. Oh. Gentlemen, say hello to Mrs. Green. Hi, <laughs> Mum. But for the entirety of my second round. You might not believe me if you actually met most of them. I mean, there wasn't much light. You were a lower height, kind of slobbering like a Doberman. <laughs> Those nights out gathering STDs while Bradley stayed in collecting Pokemon and you beat him by a landslide because he only collected most of them. Back then, I wanted to see whether I could take the concept of the mum joke, something so prevalent in battle rap culture, and sort of break it. Take it further than anyone had. People found the round funny, and it may have played a big part in me winning, but I felt bad afterwards. I mean, Mrs Green hadn't chosen to battle me, had she? I actually wrote an apology to Blizzard's mum after the battle, saying I was sorry for mentioning her and how impressed by Blizzard I was. I, I kind of went on a bit. She ended up writing back and, and telling me to stop being such a drama queen. I said, I'm meeting with, <laughs> Zoom meeting with Mark. And she was like, uh, and I said, have you got anything that you wanted to say to Mark? Because yeah, I don't get this opportunity a lot to speak to him. And she said, and I quote, I wish I got the apology in person. Oh. <laughs> Basically, she wants to meet you, Mark. It's not as bad as it sounds. Yeah, I was worried that she didn't... She felt the apology was insincere. Um, For the listeners, by the way, there's no visual prompt here, but Mark's face, I've never seen it drop like that. Oh, I'm worried. I thought she, meant, she didn't think the... I, I feel a bit uncomfortable about what I said about, about your mum. Uh, I think it was cowardly in some ways, because I think... She hadn't stepped into a rap battle, you had, and <laughs> I was not directing energy at you. I was directing at someone who couldn't respond, who was off, uh, was off target. And I don't think that was as brave as, 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 as uh, taking on the individual in front. I would love to meet her in person. I would really enjoy that. Um, but she, loves, she loves you, really. She, she, she loves the battle. Once we've broken the ice, the chat about the battle just keeps on flowing. There was certain, like, the thing is, I was talking to my friend about this the other day. I nearly didn't use the Ofsted lyric. You knobhead. I hope you drop dead. 
If I punch you in the face, who are you going to call? Ofsted? <laughs> I thought it would be too played. Like, I thought it would... Yeah, I know, and it's the best word I said the whole round. And I think it's one of... It's probably... It's easily top three most quoted lines from the battle when everyone bumps into me. Like, they mention that all the time. Yeah. I didn't I didn't like it. I just said it because somebody told me to use it. I was looking at my through all of the cupboards from my old house a few years ago and I found the drafts and I ended up ripping them up. I should have showed you them because some of the lyrics were great and I had like a whole bit about Edexcel and AQA and the <laughs> yeah and the GCSE anthologies and all that. Blizzard and I have sometimes chatted in the past about how different our material was. Mine was so gutter and offensive, really immature compared to how highbrow he went. My scriptures make Samuel Peeps look like any old man in the street. Make Martin, <laughs> Martin Luther want to write another draft of his speech. Make the likes of Oscar Wilde and Confucius sit back and retreat. Basically, I'm in a class even this man couldn't teach. You're trying to act like you're the boss of Don't Flop, like you're rowing, acting like you're all seeing and all knowing. But you're in a canoe with no paddles, bitch. It looks like you're rowing, and I'm gonna get rid of Mark like when Germany brought the Euro in. Blizzard had punchlines about Germany changing its national currency. His bars contained various dead poets and educational jargon. We approached the battle in such different ways, as though we were each trying to speak a language we thought our opponent and their demographic would in some way appreciate. That meant me, a 30-something English teacher, performing crude, mum-joke heavy bars to one of the youngest performers in a vibrant, rowdy battle scene, just as he performed material designed for a 30-something representative of education and literature. I literally went through my old English GCSE anthology and used as many of the words that I didn't understand looked into a dictionary, <laughs> found out what they were, and then used them in context. I love that line. I think that's, I think that's, I think that's amazing. I really like it. That's still one of my favourite bits. I reference that all the time when I talk about the battle. It's so funny going over old ground like this. Back before that battle, I remember being so scared, terrified. I think it's the most scared before a gig that I've ever been. I remember wanting to run away. Just leg it, get out the building. I had to tell my friends to block the door and not let me leave the venue, even if I made some kind of excuse. I've never asked anyone to do that at any other gig before or after that battle. It's weird that such a stressful and traumatic event can feel so cosy and nostalgic now. I wonder whether we'll be feeling the same way about lockdowns and the pandemic down the line. As we continue to chat, we move from the battle and onto what feels most memorable. The online noise that came afterwards. But then it went... Crazy. I mean, batshit crazy. Yeah, 15,000 in a day. Like, unheard of. Do you remember when YouTube videos used to freeze at 301 views for the first couple of hours? Oh, yeah! It was frozen like that loads. It did that at ages. different points. <laughs> and then that's what the thing is. I reckon... and. This is obviously speculation because I have no idea how the views went, but it just sort of staggered as hours went on to the point where we had about, I think, 75,000 in a week. But it didn't just yeah. gradually go 
500, 1,000, 2,000. It was literally like 301, 15,000, 45, 82, like with no interim at all, just went crazy. You've never seen anything like it. I never, no, it was mad. I remember like being sat down. It did Lucy's head in because we'd sit down for for lunch, you know, somewhere and I'd look at my phone. I I read, I reckon I read every single comment on that battle in the first, in the first month. Like it's definitely when it was going viral. Do you remember any ones, do you remember any specific ones that were like standout comments for you? I remember like, there were a lot of people going like, this guy's jokes. I wish we had him instead of our English teacher. You know, mm-hmm. like, I remember there's a lot of that stuff like that. I, I've, can I raise, actually, I'll raise a counter question. Have you had a favourite cosign or favourite famous mention since this happened? Because I'll be honest with you, for me, Deborah Meaden has been a highlight ever since. As soon as I got oh, the yeah, Deborah she Meaden did. tweet. She, men- she mentioned it, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. Deborah Meaden is a UK-based businesswoman and celebrity dragon on the TV series Dragon's Den. It's a show about investors and people pitching their new ideas to them. Back then, I used her name as one of the punches that I swung at Blizzard. This Blizzard litter's got no fire, it's just hot air he's breathing. When all's said and done, as the years drag on, you'll look even more like Deborah Meaden. This... Deborah Meaden had seen us chatting online afterwards. Someone made reference to the line I'd used, and she chipped into our Twitter conversation. Uh, yeah, that was a fun, that was an amazing one. And Scroobius Pip mentioned us too, but this was before I yeah. knew anything about spoken word as well. Like Scroobius thinks you won. Scroobius thinks you won. I had like a, I went what? and saw him. We had, like interviewed him for his um his podcast, and we had a good chat about it. Yeah, I, I've met a few people who think uh, who think that you win. I think it depends what lens you look at it through. Yeah, I agree with that. Back then, the lens that most people saw the battle through was the one the media went with. That I won. This sophisticated English teacher teaching the gobby teenager a lesson. Despite the fact that my material was much more gobby and Blizzard's was much more sophisticated. It's funny how our content was kind of memorialised based on how we looked, not on what we said. I guess a suit and a baseball cap go a long way in setting the cultural tone. How we perceive the power dynamic should work, even if the facts don't match. It annoyed me back then, how Blizzard was betrayed in the media. I complained about it online a lot. But at the same time, for me, as the guy who won... If you could change anything about it, what would you change? I'd like to have won it. (laughs) No, no, no. But I think on the whole, everything else, like I got kind of an all right time. But like, you got like horrible shit said said about you, I think. Yeah, it was hard, like, um, because... I'd never had exposure on that scale before to a point where it was a controversial thing, like with a rap battle and stuff. Like, I don't think any of us could have prepared for it. And the no amount of media training, no amount of, like, it, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. And there were moments when I was seriously com- thinking, this is the biggest high I'm ever going to get. Let's stop battling completely because yeah. this is a good yeah. one to bow out on. And I don't know if you had any any thoughts like this where I thought to myself, I'm, I've done it now. I'm never going to get this kind of lightning in a bottle moment again. I, I, find, I, find, I find those thoughts quite traumatic, to be honest, because like you kind of think, um, or I felt at first every battle, I was like, it's just going to be less views, 
It's going to be less traction. It's declining, right? It's just, I'll be in decline. You set yourself up for failure, don't you? Yeah. And then you go, well, I won't put anything out, right? And I kind of definitely went through a couple of years where I kind of like my work rate reduced or at least my kind of things I was putting out reduced. Yeah. I just felt there was this underbelly of like just nastiness though, like comments and shit. Yeah. Um, it was crazy. Um, I was getting really, really horrible comments. Like I had someone say that he was going to like, like jump me. And he just like, I know where you live and I know the pubs you go to because I've asked friends that you know, and I know you drink at this pub and I know you go here on a Saturday and I know the youth club you go to. So watch your back. And I remember thinking, I've all I've done is give you entertainment for free. Are you pleased that you did the battle or do you wish you hadn't done the battle? I'd, that's crazy that you've asked that because I've never thought of it. And I think the battle with you is probably one of the best things I could have done because it brought me out at a time where I was probably doing the most music and it helped me. I got so many shows off that. And I can't even put into words how beneficial that was for me. You should have got a check for it, honestly, because I just didn't, I, people were booking me because they would have saw the battle and thought, wow, this is hot at the time. Let's listen to his music. Let's book him. I've literally been mobbed like in public a few months after your bat after the battle with you. Like, and I, I remember I did a gig in, in Jersey, maybe two years, maybe 18 months after our rap battle. And it's almost like the whole island knew. Like I was in St. Helier and we come out of the airport and got to the, the radio and there was people waiting for me in that. And I, and I was like, all I've done is tweet this. That's all I've done. But yeah. bloody hell, like it was mad. And I've had things where I've been recognized in really weird places. I was recognized in the Magic Kingdom in Orlando. Like I've been recognized in Ibiza and I've been recognized out of the UK where the demographic of Don't Flop exists. So it's way bigger than just an event. It's yeah. Chris Browns was a fan of the battle. Like I know that he like uh, he shared it and stuff. And I, yeah. I, I've been told that Eminem has seen it. Really? Yeah, I have been told that Eminem has seen it. Um, Who's told you that? Like uh, so, at one point, I got uh, I got called in by Film Four, and they said they wanted to make a they wanted to make a feature film about me um, going to America and battling um, Eminem. Holy that was shit! <laughs> I'm really not joking. I ended up spending a few weeks in meetings with a small team in offices, storyboarding and planning the most surreal documentary. And the idea was it was going to open with the kids, you know, me in a classroom and the kids going, me going, what are you going to do over the summer? And they go, I don't know, play on the PlayStation. I go, what are you going to do, sir? And I'd be like, I'm going to find Eminem. I'm going to have a rap battle with him. <laughs> and then I was, and then I'd like, and they were like, I want to follow you. Get onto a bicycle, like an old bicycle. And you're going to cycle to the, the, the train station and then go to the airport and then go there. And they were like, it will be a bit like a kind of comedy, but also documentary about the impact of rap and how it's evolved and the craft and everything else. And I was like, he's never going to do it. I was yeah. like, guys, you can't, he, he won't do it. And they were like, no, no, no. Like we know his management, like they're on board. <laughs> and I was like, what? You got such a good end of the deal. I just got like nightclub gigs in Kettering and you get <laughs> flipping Marshall Mathers. The film didn't happen. I did get a little money and a movie script covering this kind of weird portion of my life, kind of like School of Rock, but with rap music instead. That script 
exists. I've not shared it with hardly anyone, but it's still sat on my hard drive. Aside from that, I got a bunch of meetings with very fashionable guys and I got to taste some really nice coffee. I got my travel covered at least, and but most people I met didn't really get what I was doing or, or want to understand rap battle culture, the thing I was so interested in. Most of them were just surprised that I wasn't wearing a suit when I met them. Eventually, I stopped battling. For me, that fake story ended up clouding what brought me to battle rap in the first place. It's interesting from talking to Blizzard, it seems he had a similar reaction. He stepped back and he recentered himself, focusing wholly on his music. The only reason I really started taking production seriously was was quite selfish really because I wasn't enjoying anyone's beats. I wasn't hearing beats that made me feel like I wanted to rap to them and I in my head I was thinking why can't no why can't people make hip hop that sounds more like Pink Floyd or make hip hop that sounds more like Parliament or Funkadelic. Mm. So I just started I went away for a bit and mm. I'd go to the studio and just play piano for 9 hours being really really brutal with it until I found something that I was happy with. Changing his focus from battle rap to music, it sounds like it was hard at first. Rapping was always a lot more intuitive for me. I've always felt like I could put a verse together with little to no effort, like words just flowed from the pen to the page with ease. But it got to a point where I was enjoying the production but needed to give it life. So... With Logic on Lunch Break, for example, it's just me sort of like throwing as much influence from everything I listen to into one place. I've done that and I feel like I can't stop doing that. Like I'm always going to feel the need to make my own material from start to finish and I have more pride in a product that way. There's a lot of times where I was looking at my social media engagement and thinking, God, I wish I was still doing Don't Flop because at least I was getting loads of plays and loads of followers. I guess there are benefits to being visible, and as an artist we tread a fine line with wanting to disappear. It's difficult, I guess. I'm interested to know whether these lockdowns have made things easier for Blizzard. I mean, Manchester's been... It's been pretty tough, hasn't it? You've, you've pretty much been in, like, a lockdown for a long, old time now. We're like the petri dish of the northwest at the moment, yeah. Like, it's just an absolute head fuck because... You know, the eat out to help out thing, they come through and they're like, yeah, let's go and help the economy and let's go and have half off spoons And now let's not do that because you're all spreading the virus, you twats, get in. It's just, I, I don't know how to keep up with it anymore. But the thing is, like, I've been working from home since March, so my contact with the outside world has been quite minimal for the last couple of months anyway. And yeah, I'm, I've just sort of, during lockdown, I invested in a studio for my apartment so I can record and I was able to be creative and have a, an outlet whilst being at home. And, you know, while a lot of people may be going stir crazy, I've had ways to, to use that to my advantage. So I'm not 100% complaining. Sucks that I can't go out for a meal every now and again, but, you know, we move on. Blizzard did move on, putting an album out from within his house. I really enjoyed Logic in Lockdown. Thanks, man. But to put together an entire album and, and get it out, that's that's a, a lot of dedication and a lot of focus, you know? Um, yeah. Was it made any easier by having more time or was it... I think so. I do, I do think it was easier because 
there was less distraction in a way you know mm. um i had the four walls around me and my laptop and there was a point as well where i was furloughed from my job so i was literally just doing nothing in the house all day and i had all this music that i was wanting to finish so i just really smashed it and just cracked on with it until it was uh, a good product do you feel like you've had to hustle I think I had to graft and hustle big time, yeah, because there was no one helping me. Like, I had to buy my own studio equipment. I had to mix and master most of my own stuff. And I, I did this with no help, like no no executive producers. Nobody plugged it for me. I'm not signed. I have no manager anymore. I'm a, I'm a lone soldier. So I really had to hustle to get this done. And even though the... There was little to no expenditure bar the studio equipment. Like the financial, the the mental toll it took on me, I had to graft to get this done. I really did. How is beat making different to being an MC? Beat making to me is like putting together a, a fifteen thousand piece puzzle in record time. You've really got to have coordination and you've got to really have discipline because a lot of the stuff you have to go through, all the failures to make a track sound good is enough to drive someone mental. Like, it's 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 like trying to write in wingdings. Like, it's men it's really tough. It really is. Which do you prefer now? Beat making's my favourite. I prefer making beats a lot more. And being honest with you, I would easily, in a heartbeat, quit rapping and just do beats. If I had the right client base and I had the right sort of equipment to live comfortably without ever rapping again i'd do it with no question at all because i have i'd love i've always wanted to score films and do documentaries and do weird alias production it's cool listening to blizzard talk about his journey how he didn't let things get him down and how he adapted found a way to keep having fun doing what he loved it doesn't sound like it was easy but maybe fun comes with a struggle in a way or it can do Blizzard wasn't having fun. So he stepped back, refocused, put down things that were making him unhappy and went after the things that he loved and he wanted. That whole process has clearly been a struggle, but he's not sad. He's actively seeking answers to his future. The struggle is paying off and it's becoming rewarding. Um, okay, so like, I need a favour, man. I need, I need some help. Um, I've, I've been trying to write... I've got to write a banger. That's what I've been tasked with trying to do. Like, Maestro said that a banger to him is... It's got to have a big sound to it, and it's got to have, like, a big chorus. And it sounds a bit like, with a banger more than other tracks, that maybe the beat is more than 50% of the track. Like, it sounds like quite, it's quite a big deal. Like, how, it's it's, how the beat sounds... Yeah, I'd say it's a big deal. I think, you know, you get most of the beat before the artist comes in. For example, My Name Is by Eminem. You know straight away that it's going to be a headbop because you just hear... Doo -doo, doo -doo, and you know straight away before he even says anything. And I don't know, like, to me, bangers, beats are important. Like pretty much Justin Timberlake and Timberland's whole working life together have just bang are bangers. Because the beat works and the vocals 
complement as well. I was thinking about Witness the Fitness by Roots Maneuver as well, you know? That's important, man. That's such a tune as well. Witness the fitness, the there's so many tunes that I can think of like that, like hip-hop-wise. If you've heard Shakespeare by Akala, which is absolutely yeah. amazing track, and the beat's brilliant. Before Akala's even said a word, it's there. You can hear the rhythm and you've got the, you know where the flow's gonna come. And that's, you know, for me, what music I classify as a banger. What kind of BPM do you, would you associate? Well, BP, well, I mean, that's, that's subjective because some people, love drum and bass and drum and bass is extremely fast some people love grime grime's relatively on the fast scale but it depends like anarchy in the uk is a banger I am an if you want to go down that route yeah blitzkrieg bops a banger Aye, oh, let's go. it's the feeling that the song gives it's energy isn't it and i don't think a banger is synonymous to just hip-hop or grime or electronic music to boot. Like, th there's so many songs I can think of. I think, um, like, Jungle Boogie. Yeah. Uh, can I ask a favour? I, I really need a beat that bangs. OK. That's what I need. I think this lockdown's going to go on for a long time, <laughs> so there's no, there's no hurry. There's no hurry on this. But um, if it would be possible to commission you to put together a beat that's a banger, um, and then when it's done, I could uh, try writing it and we could see what we could come up with. So I, I kind of feel like I think it would be a fun thing to try and do. Is that something would you be up for? A hundred percent. Of course I would, yeah. I'll put a few beats together and we'll you can pick out of the ones that you like. We'll try a couple of styles and see what works. Once we've agreed on a plan for a beat, I'm keen to know more about sound production and what life is like outside the public eye in music. Is there money to be made without being seen? With regards to like income streams for an artist, um getting music on digital streaming platforms is so good it's not going to be lucrative straight away. It will, you know, takes time to build up your platform. And I sometimes look into my distro kid. So a side note, if you don't know what distro kid is, it's um, stream, it's to put your music on Spotify, Google play, Amazon. Um, when I go to my distro kid bank, sometimes there might be like 28 pound in there from the last week, which I've not done anything to make that money. I've just put my music on the, on the platform and it's there. That's amazing. That's great. PRS as well. So I'm signed up for PRS. So Performing Rights Society. Um, when your music gets played on radio, TV or film, you get a royalty for it and you get royalties every quarter. So it's what, April, June, October and December, you get a payout if you hit a certain threshold. So if you were doing like Ed Sheeran numbers, you'd probably be getting like millions Whereas my biggest payout has been 1500 in three months, which is easily my wage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. Genesis Elijah's a good friend of mine and he absolutely kills it with like merchandise, CDs, vinyls. Some people are doing mini disc and tape as well, like physical entities, because music is a very disposable thing now. You can listen to a song on Spotify and 
if you don't like that song, you'll never listen to that artist again. It's not like buying a CD anymore where you will put time into listening to the project because you paid money for it. But for me, I don't know about other people, I don't see a Spotify premium membership as an expense anymore. I just see it as a necessity. Yeah, um, yeah I'm a, I agree with you on that. I don't even question it, you know? It's like Netflix, you know what I mean? I might not watch anything on Netflix for the month, but still not complain about paying it. Yeah, 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 definitely. I'm with you on that. It's funny, isn't it, how that changes? What about other ways to make money without being seen, though? What about, like, ghostwriting? I've done ghostwriting before, not, like, on a massive scale. Like, I've not done it for many people. But with ghostwriting, for me, I have to make sure it, it's, it's ethical for me. So I've, I had someone contact me about this. It was for, like, a Facebook sexual predator manhunt kind of page and if you've seen these on facebook you know like they meet people in the street that fell for decoys who were posing to be young girls blah 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 yeah yeah, yeah. and then they like shame them online right they kind of yeah they shame them call the police and post their picture everywhere and stuff and yeah so i had a company contact me and i can't remember what the name of the, the company was but they were like we will pay you to make a theme tune for our non-sting page and I have so many conflicting thoughts here because 400 quid, great. That's my rent. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when, when was it? Was it a while ago? About a year ago. Yeah, about a year ago. How, how long was the track they were looking for? They, they wanted like a minute and a half's worth of material. So really, it's 400 quid, which is great. Like that would have probably took me an hour or two to make. And so they wanted you to write the lyrics for someone else to perform or? Yeah. But it was going to be on the concept of lock up your kids and blah, blah, blah. Like all this really yeah, yeah, yeah. graphic stuff. So did you do it? No, I didn't do it. Absolutely not. I just don't feel comfortable with it. It's not the kind of, I don't want to be pinned to a Facebook page that does that. That must be a tough decision though, right? Because no one has to know. Right? <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing. And I've also done it where somebody has contacted me and was like, my school talent show. They need me to do stuff about school. And I was like, okay, fine, but you're going to need to give me as much information as possible to make it seem like it isn't somebody else writing it from your, from your perspective. It needs to be like, you need to tell me names and you need to give me some sort of information that is esoteric to the point you're making. And it needs to make sense because you know, I live in Manchester. This person might live in, I don't know, Sutton Coalfield. I don't know the life they live, so it has to make sense. It has to seem legitimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done that. I I wrote a best man speech poem for someone. You know, they hit me up. They had more money than sense, and they were just like, yeah, I don't want to have to, like, write the speech. Can you just write me, like, a roasting poem for this guy? Um... Uh, and so he, he had to give me all the info and I gave him the stuff. It was kind of cool. I enjoyed it. He, he phoned me after he'd done the speech and was like, mate, it smashed. And he was getting a drink afterwards. And I was like, ah, that was kind of cool. I was kind of nice. And I guess it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because I think when you've got guys like Drake, I mean, even Stormzy in that beef with Wiley. Yeah. Like his second round, like I remember, and he smashed it. And then I saw like he had a writing team working on it. And you're like, is that... that's this is a gray area though, because um, Stormzy will probably be in the studio with so many different people. And it's the people that say they write stuff aren't always the people that have wrote it. 
And um, there's sometimes, I don't know if you know about Rick Rubin, the producer, he will go into a studio session with like an artist and say, I think you should turn down the drums and you'll get a credit on it because he has aided the experience of the production. Yeah. I've done ghost producing for people before as well. Now that's interesting because people have paid me to make melodies for them and then I send them the MIDI file. So I will do all the the hard work and the production and stuff. And then what they would do is they will take my file and they will load their own instruments onto it and tweak it. So basically they get a completed track that they can manipulate whatever way they want. I have no problem with that because it's almost like you're remixing a track with my consent. And I just, I don't mind that, but with word related stuff, it's a bit difficult for me sometimes to justify doing it because I know my own take on things and I know how I approach certain perspectives in my life. I would never feel comfortable with paying somebody to write a verse for me about mental health because mental health is subjective and you don't know the experiences I'm going through and vice versa. So production is a bit different because a producer can manipulate sound however they want. That makes sense. Words carry so much more meaning and there's clearer intention. It also reminds me about what Maestro said in the last episode. I'm not going to use someone else to write it because I'd be lying to you like that. Perhaps it doesn't feel like such a lie when it's music, when it isn't words being used. So we locked in for a beat, a couple of beats at least, to help me write this banger. And it's been fun. The whole chat felt fun and, and it's then I get this idea, something else we could do together that might be fun. Do you think you would be able to ghostwrite 16 bars for me if it, I was to tell people at the beginning of the track that you had written 16 bars of the track? So it wasn't like an ethical thing. Do you think you could write 16 <laughs> bars that I could perform? So, so you tell people and be like, this is Blizzard's verse for me. Yeah, I could be like, I could speak to Mickey as well. I could speak to like a couple of, like maybe Moss probably battled me. I could okay. be like, these guys have written a verse each. Maybe I'll write one myself and I can be like, can you work out work. which one That's is me? That's a sick idea. That's actually an amazing idea. So it's like, guess who? It's like, guess who? Yeah. Yeah, like, guess who? Uh, you got to try and work out which verse is me. Do you know enough? I guess, like, we know a bit about yeah. each other because you battle each other, so you have to research Yeah, that's it. Other. Like, I know, but the thing is, I know you as a friend anyway. So, like, yeah. I could bring in esoteric references that we would only know. Do you think you could sound more like me than me? Um... Thing is, I've heard you rap before, though, innit? Like, I've heard you rap. <laughs> it's pretty bad. No, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I've heard you rap before, and I, I I won't be able to do the flow perfectly, but I don't know. What if I was to, like, record my version of your words and then you just learn them? And if I start referencing, like, Dogsthorpe or, like, Orton or somewhere like that, no one will know. Yeah, but you've got the local knowledge already, man. If you're up for that, maybe we could try that as a bit of a muckabout. I'd like to see what that comes out with. That might be a bit of fun. You can uh, just that you can just pay my wage then. I'll just be your ghostwriter <laughs> forever. <laughs> Over the next few days, I felt fired up. Knowing that Blizzard was working on that banger beat, that was really cool. And in the meantime, just chatting to him, getting him to try something fun with me, that felt exciting too. So I hit up Mossprob and Mickey Worthless, I explained the idea. We'd all battled in the past, so they knew me pretty well, and that seemed like as good a way as any to select ghostwriters. Mossprob was the first to send me 16 bars. 
He even offered to make the beat for the track. In pretty much no time, we had it done. I'll play it for you guys now. It's called Ghostwriting. Can you work out which of the four verses I wrote? Can you spot the real me? Either way, this was something good and fun that happened during lockdown. Okay, let's start with the facts. My name's Mark and I rap. I've been having lots of trouble trying to master the craft. So I figured why not hear up some old blasts from the past? Find out which of us could come up with the markiest act. Three artists, in fact. Forget about your slow grinding, arm sinking pints while these guys are busy ghostwriting. I chose Blizzard, Moss Prob, Mickey Worthless. Each of us got sent the beat. Each of us has written verses. Once I've performed all four, you get to give your verdict, which is the real me. This one isn't perfect. Far from crowd pleasing, mostly housekeeping But housekeeping abounds when you've done the rounds teaching Don't need profound meanings, this is me, you found the meat With all my inner workings lit up like an ultrasound screening No need to mention what was past, no redirections Bring the clones, I'll bust them ghosts for jokes like I was Peter Bankman It's me, Mark Grist. I am the hardest. I don't abide by primary school allocated parking. This is the best litmus test of whether I can or can't spit. Been three years since I last glimpsed my armpits. Peter repecked a pick of pickled dog shit. And they offered me the key to the city, but I didn't want it. Now I'm locked in. From Orkney to Peterborough to the fuck knows where. My face is questionable, but I'm blessed with really dope hair. Oh yeah, hide your dog, hide your au pair. I'm up at the gum clinic, grinning, swaggering like Baudelaire. Close to death, so I've got to stay prepared. Try not to promote the fact that these days I have a favorite chair. I like words that rhyme, they give me a mean erection. I read too much once, got a WB Yeats infection. I'm the third sexiest guy at poetry conventions, but the sexiest who hasn't drawn a pension. I'm the Gristmeister, and I'm inclined to spit nicer. On command, I've got quick fire like a big lighter. A new rapper making decent progression, about to teach you a lesson on killing beats in a session. I got guns, you know, I'm not some wannabe reject. Check the back of my hatchback, and there will be texts. Rap lessons, they will get me through. You wish that you could be me, there's your NVQ. Yeah, I'm fantastic, but don't worry, don't call the police. I assure you, the gun is plastic, and I'm ready for for war so don't tempt me famous people from peterborough i'm the sole entry got the classic shit hope you're not taken aback not surprised i just knew that you couldn't handle this i'm fully in control wanna challenge me to rap write a message leave it in my pigeonhole yeah Mark Grist, smartest eyes regardless. Flow more better than voting Nigel Farage in. I'm stacked though, till I'm living the largest. Chilling on a beach with some chicks with large bristles. My favorite city, don't care about money cause I can't take it with me. Even though I'm still on my grind, still on my grizzly. Ain't feeling these rappers, they can't rap a lick G. They need to make a quick exit. Waiting for them to say something good, it's like waiting for Brexit. Ain't happening, forget this. You may have your content, but it's all trash like Netflix. I 
I've got more lines than Tetris, so let's go. Bill Goldberg on the mic. Who's next, bro? So see me at the bar, buy me a beer. I already told you, I'm Mark Gris. Cheers. There we go. What do you think? Before we get to the end of this episode, I've got a bit of a challenge for you. What would you write about? Perhaps there's a person, someone famous, a fictional character, or someone you see every day. Maybe you could write 12 bars as though you were them. What would it sound like? If you want to give it a go and send anything you write to mark at markgrist.com, I'll be sure to listen and I'll send you some feedback. The tracks I like the most over this whole series will all feature in the final episode when that goes live. As for me, I've got this banger to write. Blizzard's going to send me some beats. It's time to put my money where my mouth is and write a banger. Next time on Mark Can't Rap. This podcast was written by me, Mark Grist. It featured an interview with MC Blizzard, script editing by Ross Sutherland, and audio editing by Juxta. This podcast was made possible thanks to public funding from Arts Council England. Thanks for listening.